Welcome back to Effort Over Everything Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klepon. Today's episode, we have a special guest, Amit Shah, the founder, the CEO of Wattify. We discuss the origin story. How did Wattify get started? Where are you at today? Where are you going in the future? Discuss technology, of course. How has that developed over the years? And we finish it off with some fitness. Now, this podcast, I really enjoyed this conversation. I've known Amit for a long time. He's a great guy, and we had a phenomenal conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you what helps us out. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know how you like these podcasts. Let us know how you like these episodes so we could further enhance them for the future. I hope you and your family are doing well. Keep crushing your workouts in the gym to help you outside the gym. And let's dive into an incredible episode with my friend, Amit. Let's go. Can you see my double chin? Now you look good. You look good. <laughs> so here we are. We're, uh, we're about to take off and... Uh, we have Ava's Kitchen this weekend, and Amit, you've been generous enough uh, to support, and your team from Wattify came out, and I'm extremely grateful for you being here. And while you're here, I've been, dude, I don't know how many years it's been. It's been a couple years. I've been like, dude, Amit, I want to hear the story of Wattify. I want to hear how you got started. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear more about how this, this revolutionary product, right, for member management came to be. And Every single month, every single year that I ask, you're like, no, 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 no. But now, finally, here we are. We're here. All these years later, and you're like, okay, dude, I'm going to sit down and talk. So It's a big step for me. I'm a little it, camera shy. Bro, it's a huge step. I'm proud of you. Okay? <laughs> Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I had to get him some bourbon. Get him. <laughs> so here's where I want to start. Wattify, you guys are a great partner of ours, but you didn't just become you know, this major um, – juggernaut in the functional training space for gyms you you started this company years and years ago i want to know why did you start wattify and then what happened before all that that kind of put you in the position to be successful and then obviously i want to dive into after we kind of hear your background story and then how wattify was started i definitely want to hear about current operations at wattify yeah. because it sounds like you've had a lot of lessons learned in the last 12 24 months i think a lot of us have with covid, COVID. and everything that went on sure so but let's start way in the back, man. Where did the entrepreneurial spirit come from? Are you a software engineer by trade? How'd you get into software in the first place? Let's roll. Yeah, well, I guess we'll start way back. Way back. I okay. mean, like, I mean, from earliest childhood memory. Okay. okay. So uh, I grew up in a small farm town, Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, near Hershey, Pennsylvania. Two pretty traditional Indian parents, first generation here. Wow. Yeah. And Hershey, uh, outside of Hershey. Yeah, Hershey's like a big city compared to where I grew up. <laughs> and it's, and I know it's probably a stupid question, but Hershey's like where? Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Got it. You nailed it. I nailed it. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty tough to get that one wrong, but all right. So now you have two, uh, they, first generation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I imagine then growing up, they probably were, what were they about? Education, education, education? You nailed it. 100%. Yeah. My, uh, my mom put me to bed every night and said, grow up to be a doctor, engineer, a lawyer, go work for a big company, save money in your 401k. They'll pay for your MBA, and your life is perfect. And so, yeah, that's the path I was headed from a very young age. In terms of business exposure, I didn't have business exposure from my parents, but my parents' friends were also first-generation Indians that came here. And uh, my mother would always point out, she goes, look how they started their businesses. They kept their day job, and they'd worked their day job. Their business was their second job, and that's how they very slowly grew their business. And I did the same thing. So – 
you know, I, my, my dad's from Iran. Uh, my mom came from Rhode Island. But, you know, I find there's some, some similarities. When my dad came over, it was all about you're either a, a doctor or an engineer, and it's all about school, 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 school. Right. And I've been, I've been surrounded by, you know, a lot of uh, Indian families that, that, you know, came into the Milpitas, California area. When I used to work at the front desk at a gym, I would have – it was largely predominantly, um, you know, Indian families. And they were very hardworking, very dedicated. And, but there was a lot of – I felt like entrepreneurial spirit. And so even though it wasn't coming from your parents, you then had exposure to it outside from the other families that were around. Is that kind of what sparked – kind of what what sparked this idea that you weren't going to become a, a lawyer a, a doctor or a you know an engineer well well you, you became yeah yeah i mean i did you, i did you, become you an engineer that path. Yeah, yeah i did follow that path but i think secretly i always wanted to have a business and uh i think i think i wanted financial freedom you know i wasn't poor but i didn't have a lot of extras you know, so you mean with, with growing up? Yeah, growing up. And so then when when you went to college for engineering mm -hmm. and then and then did you get right into what type of software engineering? No, I went to uh, I went to Penn State and I started out as an architectural engineering. And then I think it was a clerical mistake. They invited me to the engineering science program, which is the honors program. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to school with, I think, 22 kids. And uh that's when I realized I'm not that smart. I thought I was pretty smart until I got into school with these kids. And Wait, so you went to your college, like, was that like a extra, like, was that like your master's program? Or was that the actual college college with 22 kids? So I went to Penn State, 40,000 yeah, 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 students. Yeah. The, but in the, this cohort, like in this group. 22. That's it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the idea was we're going to teach you all the disciplines of engineering at a very, very fast rate. You're going to do an undergraduate thesis like you would for your master's or your PhD. And then you're going to pick your discipline and get your PhD. And that's when I realized, well, I'm pretty good at school. I'm not that smart, and I had to work 10 times harder than, like, the other kids I went to school with. And so, thank God I had that work ethic that was demonstrated to me from my parents because that got me through school. But when I graduated, I realized I probably don't want to get a Ph.D., and uh, I'm not as bright as I thought I was. Did so. you finish early or did you finish when everybody else did? Like, I mean, were you, like, 18 finishing college? Or no, no, oh. no, 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 no. <laughs> like normal. I said, I wasn't that you're, smart. You normal. <laughs> yeah, pretty so, normal. So you come out of Penn State, you had this engineering degree, and at that time, so – so what was the actual emphasis then that you ended up with? I, I didn't, well, I didn't really have an emphasis. It was engineering science. So it was like multidisciplined. Okay. I did my undergraduate thesis in material sciences, which I never did anything with, but. So then coming out of that, where'd you go? Where'd you go to work at? Well, uh, I followed my mom, what my mom's advice. She said, go work for a big company. So I got a job at General Motors and just like she predicted, they started paying for MBA and I did all of it. And then uh, one day I just was like, this isn't me. And just, you know, like I was learning. I mean, General Motors is a great company. I was learning quite a bit. And then I kind of got to a point where like the learning had slowed down mm -hmm. and I wasn't growing as much. And I felt like I was just sort of buying time, going through the motions and uh, being young and impatient. I just quit one day. So I quit my quit my job. This is after you got your MBA. No, no, I never, I'm a dropout. Oh, okay. Well, you're not, yeah. So you, you didn't finish your MBA. You're at General Motors. Yeah. And then boom, you just, you just, I quit. just quit one day. And, and then, then I, what happened? I moved to South Florida. And you partied? And I, well, I, I couldn't really afford to party. <laughs> so I was, I was parking cars at a country club, and uh, that was not smart because, like, I sweat tying my shoes. So now I'm in South Florida, and I'm, like, delivering people's car keys, and they're like, I don't think I want to touch them. They're all sweaty. Um, so I kind of did odds and end jobs there, and, you know, the hospitality industry is booming, and yeah. I didn't have any experience in it. So as luck would have it, I, uh, a friend of mine, 
got me a job at his manufacturing company implementing an ERP system. So the, not a lot of people are familiar with the word ERP, but they might be familiar with like SAP, Oracle. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of found my, my fit because I had worked in manufacturing at General Motors. At a young age, I worked in Eminem Mars in my little town, Elizabethtown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big company. My mom got me my first job there as a janitor. So I was a janitor for five, six years. Um, now, how is that like being a janitor? I, I got to ask. I mean, is it as bad as you would think it is? Or is not there some type of peace that comes with it? Well, I can tell you when my mom positioned the job to me, the first question I asked, because I was young, I was like, how much does it pay? Right, of course. She gave me the answer. I was like, that's like three I'm times in. what I can make. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And I go, what am I doing? She's like, oh, you're going to be working in environmental services. I'm like, <laughs> I like the environment. That yeah, sounds yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, well, you know, you'll be mopping. I'm like, I don't mind mopping. And she's like, and you'll be cleaning toilets. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I've like how I feel about cleaning toilets. And uh, she said, oh, my mom had a, a unique way of convincing me to do things. So she said, uh, oh, well, you know, I just thought maybe, you know, you could go learn something and get a foot in the door at a world-class process manufacturer. And uh, she positioned it that way. I did it. For five years. Yeah, I did it all through uh, high school, college. It oh, was a great man. gig. Yeah. But, but she was right. Talk about I, some humility, right? Like really being humbled by that experience. Well, you know, I'm sure. competitive. So I, would, I was competitive <laughs> about cleaning toilets. toilets. Can I, how many toilets can I clean? I would tell them like, no one can clean a toilet better than me. And people <laughs> used to say, like, I always tell when you're cleaning to me, the place is spotless. So, uh, yeah, I took, I took pride in my work. And then, you know what? People noticed it. So, uh, I, you know, I was in high school and people would ask me, like, Which, could you help us write standing operating procedures? Right. Could you I worked with industrial engineers, mechanical engineers, and just as my mom predicted, I learned a lot about manufacturing. So when I graduated college and when I went to interview with General Motors, I think I was the only kid who had years of manufacturing experience. Right. And so then you, you, you moved to South Florida, you're doing your thing. And at what point, I guess I would have to ask, like, when did you start getting into fitness? Were you always into fitness? No, I was the uh super out of shape, overweight yeah, kid yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who's a bookworm. And, um, you know, my, my, my parents were like, you need to focus on your studies. Right. So I did. But when I was, um, when I was 19, one of my really, really close friends growing up wasn't doing so well in calculus. So I was tutoring him in calculus and, uh, to reciprocate, he said, why don't you come into the gym with me? I said, me? I, I don't know anything about the gym. So he brought me in and I'll never forget. He's like, go to the bench and warm up do 10 reps right empty bar I yeah got six reps you, and you i got, got floored <laughs> you got pinned by an empty bar six you, reps <laughs> you know what man that's okay yeah and so you were trading out this dude calculus for some for some fitness workouts and so how long did, how long did you that was your that was your spark that, or did you, that was or my did spark you do that and you're like dude i'm out I don't no 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 he he uh he wouldn't let me wimp out and uh he built my confidence and then that sparked everything then i wanted to do everything like Whatever, racquetball, mountain biking, cycling, anything. It just really gave me the confidence. So like 19. 19, yeah. And so now you're in South Florida, right? You already have exposure to fitness, obviously. Mm -hmm. Some things, right? You're, you're, you're active, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And then at what point, how long did you work at that gig before you started pursuing? At what point did you pursue Wattify? That's years later. Years later. So then, I'm a lot older than you, remember? Well, yeah, <laughs> like a, a little bit. So, so what the career path, right? You come out of General Motors, I think everybody kind of knows. It's a giant, you know, corporation. You kind of work your way up. You get, you know, 3%, 10% raises a year, whatever it is. Now you're at this new company. How long were you there for? Well, I was at, I was at this company for about a year, and this is before Y2K. So there was a mm. shortage of consultants because everyone was implementing new business systems. Mm. And so I became an independent consultant, and I did that for like the next six years or so, and I loved it. 
I, you know, I got paid to travel and I got to see the, a lot of the country, sometimes part of the world. What I really enjoyed though, is I got to see how different companies worked. Mm. And then I also, you know, I started manufacturing, then I moved into distribution. I moved into procurement, customer service, marketing. And just all consulting. So you'd go mm -hmm. in, you'd identify a problem, potentially, whatever it is, yeah. and you provide some type of solution and boom, you move on to the next one. Yeah. Now boot the boom could be a year, 15 months, 18 months. These are long-term projects. Got it. And probably the, the biggest thing that sort of completed that circle of learning business was I was forced to learn accounting and my debits and credits, which, you know, I didn't learn in school. So did you have your own company at that time? Cause you were a consultant. Sort of, I was an independent consultant. So right. I was a one man band. Yeah. Right now you're a one man, man, you're going to these different companies. I'm curious, like at that point, these were probably like relatively successful businesses. Mm -hmm. I imagine at some Absolutely. point doing yeah. millions of dollars in revenue. At a high level, what was like the overwhelming theme that you saw of like, was it they moved too slow? Like, did you find anything as you're going through it? Like, man, there's a lot of similarities between these different companies. Like, they're, they're not up to date. Like, what, what was like some major learning lessons you had? Because, I mean, for eight years you're going and you're get, kind of looking underneath the hood of a bunch of different companies, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I learned and I applied it to Wattify years later was, you know, Technology has its place, but you can't overcomplicate things, right? So you have it has to drive value to the user. The user has to see value, and it has to be simple and straightforward so you actually get the adoption. Mm. And I was able to apply that later in life to Wattify. That was really the big. That was a big lesson learned. That was the big lesson is that you can buy all these fancy systems and you can configure them so that we're going to collect ten pieces of data here and, and we're going to do this and do that, but the practical world actually trumps all of that and unless it makes sense for the user like let's say the person on the manufacturing floor yeah unless it drives value to them they're probably not going to do it right 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 and so for how so for like the next eight ten years you do that at what point did you say to yourself hey man like i think i remember talking to you about this and you were like a member of a gym and that's so at what point was this idea of starting your own company you already were i guess your own sense, right? you were a sense, right? You're a consultant. Well, yeah. I see. I, I kind of convinced myself that I was, you know, I had my own business, but I was a one man band. I was a right. one man, you know, and, um, I had a vision of having a business and, uh, I, I did lived in Colorado at the time and I moved back to the East coast. So okay. let's call it settle down. And, uh, high school friend of mine said, Hey, I've got this crab business. He had a re he was an engineer, decided to open a, a retail crab business selling Maryland blue crab blue yes crab. remember that no I remember you telling me about this yes yeah. I want to hear more yes yes so yes. he's out of Harrisburg yes. Pennsylvania yeah and he said hey my competitors are now shipping crabs live in steam yes. online you know computers come help me and so I spent a year with him and uh he couldn't afford to pay me so I worked for a year uh, for absolutely zero dollars probably literally put in about 100 hours a week and I had a lot of fun we uh we set up a website. It still exists today. I love crabs.com. <laughs> That's and a great website. Yeah. I'm going to go check it out right now. Oh, after, it after still we're exists. Done. After we're done. And, uh, you know, simplest terms, like you could be here on the West Coast in California, call us at 4 p.m. Eastern, and we would have crabs at your doorstep next day, 9 a.m., trying to bite you. No way. Yeah, it was cool. It was fun. And they and were live. They were live. They were live or steam, but the yeah. best way is to get them live and steam them yourself. Yeah. And, uh, but you did that for a year, and you never got paid. Nope. But I, I, I mean, I got paid in other ways terms of like confidence. And oh, that's really cute. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the coolest thing was probably in that story was, you know, we were, we were super high tech. This is like 2004. So, you know, if you go to Starbucks and you order and it's like prints a, out a little like an app. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Prints out a little sticker and it tells the person, the barista exactly how to make it. Right. Well, we were doing that way back then. So if you ordered crabs online, a little, it would, a 
sticker would get printed and say, this is exactly how you make them, or this is what the size they want and how many, and here's where to ship it. Um, the other thing that we did that was a differentiator, and again, this, th these lessons I learned, uh, I applied later in business around creating a differentiator. So the other differentiator we had was like, at the time, the competitors, you would ship crabs, like you would order crabs and they would ship to you. Well, when they were going to arrive was for you to figure out by mm. reading the fine print. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's a special occasion. Well, it, it, it's a special occasion. It's, it's kind of a big deal when the crabs get there. Yeah. Do you imagine deal. people are thinking like, oh, man, when is it coming? When is it coming? Right. Yeah. And you're going to invite maybe 30, 40 people over. You're going to get a bunch of beer and you're going to lay out paper and make a big day out of it. Right. But you need to know when the crabs are coming. So um, our differentiator was you start with a date. When's the date of your special occasion? What do you want? Okay, here's how you can ship it and here's what time it'll show. We were mm. very transparent about it. And that made a huge difference. Um, the other thing that we did was, I remember I, did, I didn't know anything about press releases. I'm like, oh, I'll try a press release. So we did a press release. I think I paid 400 bucks for this press release. And Food and Wine Magazine called me. And I said, they said, we'd like to sample some of your product. And I thought, it's probably a scam, but fine, I'll ship them. Yeah, right. Three months later, they call back, oh, we decided we we're going to put you in our 12 gift-giving guide. Send us some more so we can take, do a photo shoot. Oh, Still, great. I thought it was probably a scam. And then sure enough, we were in Food and Wine Magazine, which kind of like having Oprah say, you should like crabs, and oh, by the way, get them from here. So was that as impactful on the business as I would think it would be or, or not quite as much? Because one of the things that I've realized in our business, at least, is like people think like, oh, you get on a major platform or you get this. And it, it definitely helps, but it, it, it's, a, it's a snowball effect. You need multiple different things to really lead to trajectory. Or was that one thing, the thing that kind of catapulted you guys into the next level? Well, I think it's probably two parts. One, it absolutely catapulted us, or at least gave us an opportunity in at-bat. Yep. But because we had our technology in place, customer service in place, the infrastructure in place, we were getting repeat customers. We were making those initial customers who were going to give us a shot really happy, and then they came back for more. So now with the blue crab, with the crab business, mm -hmm. which... Um, I think it's great. You were working there for a while. Then did you just decide to exit or what happened? Well, another lesson learned. Um, you know, uh, we were, we were friends. Oh boy. So <laughs> oh, boy. we skipped the whole, we said, Hey, look, let's get started. We'll do the yeah. contract piece later. And, uh, you know, we just, we didn't see eye to eye on the contract piece. So it made sense for me to step away from the business. And again, no, no hard feelings. I don't regret an ounce of the energy I put into it. Cause it gave me a ton of confidence. So, you know, before we move on to Wattify, I think that, you know, I've talked to a lot of gym owners, a lot of people out there, and they get into business with their friends and mm. they're, they're sitting like this, right? Yeah. And like, dude, we should open up a gym. And like, all right, man, I'll throw in 20 G's, you throw in 50 G's, we'll throw in this G's and you'll be the coach and I'll be this. But they never sit down and actually create like a partnership agreement or think about, uh, you know, the strategy on how you would evaluate the business. If you can go back in time to the crab company, I mean, I imagine the answer is yes. You would have the birds and the bees conversation. And in particular, what would you have spoke about before you guys even really started doing anything? Well, I suppose back then, if I could redo it, we would have talked about, you know, what is our rev share? The, the challenge you have with the partnerships is it's like a marriage, right? And so you can't pay for everything. And someone told me a long time ago, every relationship has a start and an end. Mm. And you can't pay for what that end looks like. So when you're partnering with someone, you might as well consider it a marriage. Knowing what I know now, what I tell other entrepreneurs, do it on your own. Do, do it on your own. Do it on your own. Do something small, but do it on your own. Because the thing is, sometimes in partnerships, priorities change. What if, what if that partner has a life-changing uh, moment and their priorities shift from business to family and 
they need to part or they need to exit and maybe you don't really want to sell it's not the right time to sell but you have to sell or you have to buy them out you know the money to buy them out adds a lot of complexity so you like the idea of rolling solo right which is what i do now okay so speaking of rolling solo so you know i think that's a good pivot to wattify so you know for those who are unfamiliar with wattify you know i would i would consider you guys um first in class for member management software for you know, primarily brick and mortar functional training studios, but in addition, a variety of other verticals. But I'd say the bulk of your business is in the functional functional training space. Absolutely. CrossFit in particular. Sure. So how did, first off, how did you come up with the name Wattify? I think I have an idea. <laughs> and then and then how did it all get started? What's Give me the origin story. Because at this point, you know, you grew up with hardworking parents. You go the traditional route. You then, I think it's almost like a slow approach, right? You kind of get into consulting. Then you kind of hit that entrepreneurial bug with the, the crab company. And now, I, is this when Wattify starts? Or is there another step there's before another, that? There's another step. Oh, there. my God. There's two All more right. steps in All there. Right. Give, me, give me the two I'll steps. Give you, I'll give you them quick. No, I don't need them. I, so, we got time. So what I decided to do after uh, ilovecrabs.com, I thought. <laughs> Shout out ilovecrabs.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was to do what I did uh, for, for my friend as a service for other food uh whatever i'm looking for food services or purveyors yeah. yeah yeah so like every city has their thing philly has their cheesesteak or their pretzels pittsburgh has uh primanti brothers chicago uh sorry um cincinnati has skyline chili and so uh i thought i'll do for them what i did for this crab business meaning yeah. i'll set up an e-commerce sales channel i'll show them how to do customer support and we'll do a rev share model the challenge i had was i was so tired of being poor that I was hyper-focused on those first couple clients because I had some clients ready to go. Now, how poor is poor? Well, I mean, I went from being kind of a high-paid consultant uh, as an independent, making, frankly, too much money as a 20-something-year-old. Yeah. 9-11 hit, and I got a dose of reality. Uh, I was buying stocks because everyone was making money hand over fist, and I got dissolved to nothing. Uh, I broke my leg skydiving without insurance. Had a three-day lapse in my health insurance. Oh, broke my leg. So you had I had a three-day lapse. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> my life is a comical wait, list so, of errors. <laughs> wait, your your insurance had lapsed for three days. Yeah, and you happen to be skydiving, and you happen to break your leg at that time. Legs, legs, no shit. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, skydiving or like financially? I mean, I guess a little bit of both. Well, yeah. So I was I. I have an addictive personality. I started skydiving, and I, I did about 170 jumps in 11 months. I just really loved it. And then I was doing a trick called a hook turn where you try and see how low and fast to the ground you can come and swoop. Yeah. And uh, instead of swooping, I smacked. And I, <laughs> I broke my left ankle, my right knee, my right femur in one place, my left femur in two places. And, of course, I'm laying there in the hospital. I'm giving my insurance information. I'm like, hey, you're not covered. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, that was a big expense. Um, uh you know, then I got engaged and married and all these different expenses. And then right after getting married, I spent a year not making money. So I was pretty broke. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then when I started this company called Fresh Commerce, which I was going to provide as a service, I was so focused on those first couple clients making me money that they were like gun shy. Because really all, all I had was a PowerPoint deck and my word. I didn't have any evidence that this would really work. Right. Or either that or I wasn't very good at positioning it. And so I never got it off the ground. Today, that's a real company called, I believe, Gold Belly. They do, they do what I was trying to do for other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. They're, a big, they're yeah. a big business. Yeah. They succeeded. Now, I learned from that lesson. My first two customers at Wattify, free for life. All I want is your feedback 
and testimonials if and only if you like the product. So I definitely learned from that mistake. So, you, uh, you know, so to summarize that, because I think that's a good learning lesson. So you're coming off, you're, you're relatively broke, for lack of a better term. Do you think... I was me. broke. I was driving my wife's car with no heat and a hat and gloves in the winter. <laughs> Do you think you went a little too overzealous in these guys and they, you weren't proven enough and you tried to... Is that what ultimately killed the deal? Or why didn't you get the deal? I didn't get the deal because it was like kind of the chicken and egg thing. Like, well, you want me to trust you with my brand and you want me to share in the revenue, uh, but you can't point to any case studies where you've done this mm. in the past, right? So what I should have done is said, hey, I got two people. Now. Look, don't even, I want to charge it for the first, right. whatever, first two three years, months, whatever. Six months or whatever it is. Yeah, just so I could prove it out mm. and then parlay that into other yeah, future that's customers. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, definitely lesson learned. So now, you're, so now you're learning there. Now the next one, what happened the next So one? that's now two years of not really making any money. Now, okay. now I'm like poor They're eating poor. peanut butter and jelly. And now yeah. I'm really poor. Yeah. And uh, I decided to go back to my bread and butter, which I knew what knew how to do, which was ERP and CRM consulting. So that's, you know, salesforce.com, implementing large projects like that. And uh, I kind of call it throwing in the towel. And the reason I say that is I had kind of got burned out on that lifestyle you're on the road Monday through Friday. It's it's hard to maintain a relationship. You're always traveling. But I was good at it, and I knew I could make money doing it, so I, I did it. Now, what I did do differently is rather than just be, a, let's call it a one-man band, I actually stood up a brand, hired employees, had contractors working for me, and it was quite successful so business. it was a legitimate business. Legitimate business. What was that one called? Conigent, C-O-N-I-G-E-N-T. How'd you come up with that? Uh... Uh, if you look at the derivation of the word, well, first of all, uh, I worked with a branding person and that URL was available and they owned it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I think it meant with people. And so there was a whole sort of marketing shtick with that. Right. Hey, all good. Yeah. So now you're doing that. And then, so, I mean, dude, you, you have, I mean, this is an incredible background, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in this idea of like earned confidence and, and getting in your reps and, you know, like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. And right. I feel like there's a lot of people that they, they get into business, they do it for a couple of years and they do something different. And then finally, like their mid thirties, early thirties, thirties, forties, they, they then have had enough life experiences That's about right, that, yeah. that they finally hit something that, that becomes something special because of everything that led them to that point. And so I imagine that's where we're going right now with Wattify. How did, how was that the next step? And how'd you make the yeah. pivot from, I imagine you're making great money. I was your previous business. Conagen. Yeah. Conagen. Uh, you were making great money. What made you decide to start Wattify? So Conagen wasn't fulfilling me from a creativity perspective. Like I, I really wanted to innovate. I wanted to make something on my own and that I wasn't able to do with Conagen. So over the years I had ideas and, uh, I'd always kind of find an excuse not to do it. Like, oh, it's not the right time. I'm not technically gifted enough. And then I'd watch someone else build it. And I thought, I got to stop doing that. I got to stop making excuses for myself. So and at this time, were you part of a gym at that time? Uh, I, at the time, I was doing BJJ. At the time, you were doing jujitsu. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And uh, I remember I was doing jujitsu. And next door was a CrossFit gym. But I didn't know what CrossFit was. Mm. And I didn't even know it was a CrossFit what gym. What year was this? This would have been 2011. Okay. So, and know, I saw a bunch of people running around with med balls. What are they doing? Yeah. So 2011, you're hitting it. You know, it's, it's kind of, I really feel like CrossFit really hit a giant spike, like 11, 12, 13, 14, giant spike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll never forget 2011, uh, maybe the last week of August or so, I'm on vacation in Avalon, New Jersey with my family. 
and I'm driving, I think, to get a cup of coffee, and I see a sign that says, uh, text something, something to CrossFit. Mm. I thought, all right. So I text, and he says, oh, show up here at 8 a.m., and we'll CrossFit. Right. So I did it that morning, and then I never – I went back every single day of that seven-day va- vacation, and they said, hey, you, you seem to really like this. You should find a box. Mm. I was like, what's a box? Oh, it's a CrossFit gym. So I go home and Google it. Lo and behold, it's right next to my jiu-jitsu studio. This uh, is the, the thing yeah, that I didn't yeah. understand. Right. And so uh, I started CrossFit and just absolutely fell in love with it. So this is 2011. Yep. You're currently consulting. Yeah, oh, my consulting business, yeah. And then – so then what happened? I mean, how do you, how do you take that plunge? Because something you said earlier, and I thought this was interesting, is that your parents – you would observe people who were, let's just say, engineers by trade, but also had like a side hustle business. Right. And I find it to be really difficult to be successful in, in, in anything if you're one foot in, one foot out. But maybe, maybe there's an exception to the rule. Well, I think it's, um, it's risk mitigation. Mm. Because if you're going to do it on your own, you're not going to raise money. Uh, I got a family, right? So... I got to keep my day job. I got to keep that contingent job because that pays the bills. And that's if I the wanna, wise thing to do. And if I want to try something else, that's on my own time. Right. Right. And so uh, I, got to, I got to this CrossFit gym, CrossFit Aspire, and they said to me, if you want to improve, you need to track your performance. Now, I actually subscribed to that because in my 20s, remember I lived in South Florida. You had to look like a Greek god in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I dieted. I lifted. I slept well. I drank my – got right water intake but i i diary i had a diary for all of it and so i had i, li- I wrote down all my lifts because you know you get to a certain point where in order to know you're winning it might be a rep it might be maybe 2.5 pounds right right but it keeps you motivated then, i'm trying to think 2011 right you they had like a, a work like workout tracking that came in like i remember i used to keep like a binder this is back yeah. in the day back 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 in the day of just major lifts right yep and they would have like the different girl workouts in it, and you'd write your name down. But was there what software were people using? I, I, Some people were using Beyond the Whiteboard back okay, then. Okay, Beyond sure. the Whiteboard. That because when I one. first got in, when I first opened uh, at the time NorCal CrossFit or CrossFit Santa Clara, now it's NC Fit. Mm-hmm. In 2008, I remember we had a very difficult time, and also I wasn't very tech savvy. But uh, member management software in 2008 really wasn't readily available at all. And even credit card automatic debit wasn't like a thing. I had to go in through a portal through Bank of America. It wasn't until like 2009 that it kind of became more of a regular thing. Like so, an automated. So we're only talking a couple of years after that. Because, I mean, I opened the gym in 2008, and I don't think we had any management member management software until probably Wattify came around. Were you the first, like – No, we – What was before you guys in the CrossFit space? Uh, it was really – I would say Zen Planner and MindBody. As I recall. Yeah. I mean, th- those were also like outside the CrossFit space. But yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. Maybe well, we were using one of those. I can't remember. But Well, so I, rem- I remember I was in this CrossFit gym and they said, you need to track reforms. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? So they pointed to this rusty filing cabinet and said, in there, you'll find a Dude. folder with your name. I mean, yeah. folder with your name on it. Right. And they had some of the workouts already in there and then blank spots. So right. Like, okay. So I'm sitting there writing the workout. And you know, at the end of a, a wad, you're yeah, like. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're like half. Like, I like can't even can't add two plus two. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm writing it down. I think it lasted two or three days. And I thought this – and the challenge you have in CrossFit workouts is, I remember, I mean, they're super verbose. Yeah. Right? And then you may never do that again. Right. Right? So I thought – and then I'm observant. So I watch these gym owners. And so I travel with Conagen. So I would go – just like you would with BJJ, check out other gyms. Of course. Checked out other CrossFit gyms. And I'd watch them. And what I noticed is they're all very comfortable digitally 
entering their workout onto the WordPress site. Mm. Then they oh, go. Oh yes, right. Blog post. Yes. Remember? Okay. Yep. 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 And then they'd go to the whiteboard and write the wad. And then the idea was the athlete had to write the wad again, write their own performance, yeah. and then it all got erased. It was redundant, right? Yeah. It was super redundant. So I thought, well, if I can get a gym owner to put it into my product, a little bit more complex because you got to put it. In, you can't just not freeform text, right? Then I'll push it to your website. I'll push it to this kiosk, and then another kiosk and a uh, mobile app. Athletes will be able to track their performance. And so I thought, because I remember I used to always go to the 6 a.m. class. And so I competed with the folks in the 6 a.m. class. But everybody all day was doing the same workout. Yeah, and they were looking at your time. Because, like, normally back then, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. many gyms would have the whiteboard. And they'd say, like, a meet, 6.03. Right. And then people throughout the duration of the day, they'd, it'd be on the whiteboard. Right. And at the end of the day, right, you'd erase it. I remember for a while at our gym, like, the t- the, the, when I knew we were becoming more successful, was when the whiteboard just got filled up with tons of names, names right? Yeah. And back then it was all about RX and this and that. Yeah. Now things are a little bit more it's evolved, changed. but yeah. changed. But okay, anyways, you're you're making me uh, reminisce right now. It's good. <laughs> so, um, I remember, I I at this point remember, I'm fed up with myself and my excuses for not building something. So I just wanted to build something, and I honestly I didn't care if it made money. I just wanted to see if I could use my brain and ingenuity to get someone to smile and say, hey, that solved a problem for me. Um, so I built it first. We went live at CrossFit Aspire. What was it called? Uh, at that time, was it actually called Wattify? It was called Wattify. It was going to be called, believe it or not. <laughs> so I went to go get, this is a funny story. So I go to look for the domain wattify.com. It's available. And I was being naive. I thought, oh, well, I don't have, I'm not, I'm kind of busy right now. I'll get it tomorrow morning. Yeah. Well, I guess, I, this isn't beyond me, but someone knew that I went and looked for that domain. Oh, right? yeah. There must be a word for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next day I go to get it and it's not available. And so I go and make an inquiry to someone in Europe. And I think he said, I'll sell it to you for 10 grand. I'm like, Oof, it's too rich for my blood. So I had to go to number two, which was going to, I think it was going to be called Wadstop, which not very sexy, but uh, it was going to be Wadstop. And then a few months later, he came back to me and said, hey, do you still want it? And I go, yeah, but not a 10,000. And I got it for 700 euro. So that's how I got Wattify. Oh, man. And uh, so it was called Wattify then. And I'll never forget the defining moment for me was, actually, the gym owner, her name was Alicia. Uh, it was partners, but the, the wife, her name was Alicia. She said, hey, is there any way I can take all of their performance that's on these pieces of paper and yeah you could but you'd have to key it in she goes oh I'll do that I'm like oh you don't have to do that over time it'll collect data she goes no no I'll do it thank god I didn't listen to her because I'll never forget I uh I, I there was an athlete in my gym and I showed him how to use it in the kiosk and he's putting in his back squat and then a little PR badge came up next to it and he goes what's that and I go we'll hover over it and then it showed him that he had a 20 pound PR and he was like oh because oh. he's comparing it to previous previous results, results. and yeah. he looked at me like it was magic and that like i get a chill thinking about it cuz it really excited me i thought okay i built something cool and so you built this particular system by yourself for this particular gym is that how it all started uh i actually did i did i mean uh, i had saved some money and i hired one other engineer we found a platform to build it on we went to came to california to get trained for a week came back to the East Coast, and I had already done mock-ups, so like wireframes, and I'd shown those wireframes to gym, different gym owners. In fact, I remember one gym owner showed it to me. He said, I wouldn't take that product if it were free. Wow. <laughs> but uh, so three, in three weeks, we built the web and kiosk version, and then two weeks later, we built the mobile version. And so we had the very, very 
beginnings of Wattify, but it was just performance tracking. In fact, I remember telling people, I'm like, I don't want to get into membership management and all that credit card stuff. That is some complex stuff, of course. Here we, Here are, we are doing it. So you, you start off trying to solve a problem, which I think is great. And this is 2011. And then at what point did you start saying to yourself, okay, this, this has some legs to it. Because did you start selling it as a performance tracking we product? We did. Period. Just performance tracking. Very similar to Beyond the Whiteboard. Yes, similar, yep. Okay, so you started selling it as that. And then I guess at what point did, did it grow enough that you decided to stop becoming a, being a consultant and having another company? Oh, five years. Five years. I ran, I ran Conagent. That's how risk-averse I am. Five years. Yeah. I ran Conagent, traveled, uh, grew Wattify, and it wasn't until five years later that I shut down Conagent. Not because it wasn't profitable, uh, just because it wasn't really hitting my passion and I was really passionate about Wattify. So for five years, this was basically your side hustle for lack of a better term. Well, it was a side hustle and then it got to a point where it was like, I had two hustles. Yeah. You know, equally big. Wow. And I remember what happened was if you, you know, back in those days I would sell Wattify to a customer, but they also had MindBody or Zen Planner and it just wasn't great. Like mm. they had to create the athlete in MindBody or Zen Planner. Then they go create the athlete in Wattify. They had to create a class in MindBody. They had to create the class in Wattify. And so our customers said, hey, either integrate with these products or build your own all-in-one. And uh, we were having so much fun. We're like, all right, let's just do it. We're going to try and build an all-in-one. And that's what we set out to do. Now, you know, one of the things that you guys did different, which I thought was unique, was you guys were all about the kiosk and the TV at the front of the classroom. Mm. That was like a staple to Wattify. It was this red text with the black background yeah. and the TV. It was yeah. always something that I remember because no matter what gym you went into, be like, oh, yeah, that's a Wattify. They, they use Wattify. I don't know why, but I almost feel like without you guys realizing it, it was actually a marketing tool. And I, I don't know if you thought about this intentionally, but whenever you go into a regular gym, jujitsu, whatever it is, you don't know what member management software they use for the most part, right? Right. But because Wattify was so front and center on the kiosk, on the TV, everybody would know who would use it. Yeah. And I wonder if that led to the growth because a gym owner might be visiting another gym and see what, oh, that's cool. And then did you have any thought of that or was it more, I'm just uh, curious. I'd love to tell you it was strategic. Right. It yeah. was accidental, but yes, I agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, I used to ask uh, athletes at the gym, what, what software does your gym use? I don't know. Because yeah. all it did was charge a credit card. Right. With Wattify, we were part of their every day, right? Yes. They were getting up in the morning, signing up for class, looking at the whiteboard, did their score stand throughout the day, tracking their uh, intake with their food journal. And so athletes knew what software their gym used. Absolutely. So what if I started to continue to grow? Um, I imagine, I think you guys, you grew, how did the employees grow over time? And, you know, you, you, you had a ability to maintain. So did you, did you ever seek out outside funding? Were you able to, because of your two hustles, you were able to do it on your own? kind of grow it from ground up. Yeah, it was, I mean, I started Conagent Bootstrapped and then I used the dollars from Conagent to fund Wattify. At our peak burn rate, we were burning $40,000 a month. Uh, it took us 14 months to break even, um, which is pretty quick. For Wattify. For, for, yeah, for Which Wattify. is great, I mean, yeah. that's, that's great. And so now the company's evolved a lot, right? Here we are in 2022, mm. coming out of COVID. You know, I think at one point, you know, you have an office in Philly, I don't know how often, like. The, the evolution of Wattify has been really interesting to talk and to look at. I, I've seen the growth. And it's been amazing. I want to talk about some of the pitfalls and challenges you've had and then some of the current clarity you've had. So, 
you know, let's kind of back up a second. You know, how quickly did the team grow and what were some lessons you've learned just from bringing on more employees? Because you have a lot of work experience, more than most people who, who are probably listening, including myself, right? A lot of years. What do you, I, I, we've learned a few of the lessons from these previous businesses, but from a people perspective, what have you learned in Wattify as you grew to a team of, you know, 70 to out, probably at one point, you probably had about 100, right? Almost, yeah. Yeah. So w- from a people perspective, what do you think has occurred in the last, what, 2000, about 10 years? A lot. Yeah. I've, I've learned a lot of lessons around uh, people management. And frankly, it's not an excuse, but, uh, you know, I was independent most of my career. Right. So I didn't have that mentorship. And so in the first, I would say the first three years, I was hyper-focused on building a product. Uh, maybe at the end of three years, we had 20, 25 employees all in one office. And so, you know, I could run Con. I mean, at one point I had Conagent, Wattify. Remember the Grid League? Oh, dude. <laughs> had, we had a team called the Philadelphia Founders. Oh. And we, we thought it was a good idea to open up a commercial gym and eat our own dog food. So I was doing all four. And uh, frankly, it was, it was too much. I think I saw the, the mascot. <laughs> it's still, it's still at your house, wasn't it? That's all we had. No, no, it's in the, it's in the Philadelphia <laughs> office. Thunder Guns. Thunder Guns. So you, you had that, and then, oh, you opened up a gym. We did underneath our office. And the idea was, hey, let's, let's eat our own dog food. Let's use our software to run a get Turns out, you don't want me running a gym. I'm horrible at it. <laughs> so you had those four different businesses. Then how did you know it was time? Because like, I imagine you had pretty good growth, and so you, you thought these other opportunities would be great. Right. How did you know to kind of – I mean, the Grid League is a, is a, was a, I guess – cool concept but it failed and it failed fast it did it failed fast i uh i think we were one of the first teams to sign up and we were definitely the first to exit uh yeah 11 months into it lost a lot of money and uh yeah so that didn't work anything in particular like like i mean because at at some point like you're not going to hit home runs on everything right and would you regret doing that Absolutely. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, oh, maybe there's some. There's I don't, some there's there some really wasn't a lesson to be learned. No, no, there really wasn't. I can tell you, uh, I put a number in my head. Again, I'm, I'm risk averse. So I put a number in my head that said, okay, if I lose this much money, will I be happy? Absolutely not. I'll be sad about it. But will I still have my businesses intact? Yes. Will employees still have be gainfully employed? Yes. Will my kids have a home? And, yeah. And, yes, and shelter. So. I did it, and I got to that point where, like, okay, we lost all the money that I'd hope we didn't, so it's time to stop. And oh, so we stopped. Man, that's brutal. Yeah, that's I mean, I suppose brutal. the lesson learned. It, you know, I suppose I suppose the other lesson there is a lesson to be learned, which is stay true to what you're good at and what you're passionate about. And <laughs> you know, I think we're learning that. You know, at, at NC Fit, we we we've we've had a little lesson learned in, in that exact same things. We want to pursue on-demand content, follow along. Yeah, but yeah, it's not that. authentic to the way we. So we're revamping the app. Because it's not authentic to the way we actually use our products. So when we're sharing and talking about it, it it's not authentic because people don't see us doing it. Right. And so, anyways, we're, we're learning the same lesson. But yeah. back to Wattify. So the, the, the team grew. And in the last couple of years, you know, a lot of gyms utilize Wattify. I mean, you're the – I think – is it safe to say you're the largest? We're the market in leader. The, yeah. in, in the CrossFit space. Yes. And you guys have had you – know, I've seen some frustration on – you know, on, on forums and Facebook with shutdowns. Cause we use Wattify, yeah. you know, full disclosure, right? We use Wattify and we pay for Wattify. I think that's important to know. We don't get Wattify for free. You're a partner of ours, but we pay for Wattify just like everybody else. Right. And so when we see that the system's down or there's issues, 
I mean, at times I want to pull my hair out and scream. And I'm sure a lot of gym owners probably listening, they probably feel the same way. But that hasn't happened in a couple of months. But I, I, I want to address it because I think it's really important because I know, I know you guys personally. And yeah. I know that you care. Absolutely. You, and I think that what people don't know is that they see Wattify as this big company. But it's being ran by people who really give a shit about the product and the service. And so, so talk me through a little bit yeah. what struggles you've had and yeah. what you're doing to overcome them. Because I think that's really important for people Absolutely. to see. Yeah. Look, in the first three years, I was focused on building a product and we grew exponentially. Right. right? And that doesn't come without growing pains. Mm. And so I couldn't predict three years ago where we'd be. Right. And or in those first three years. And so we were hyper-focused on just churning out features. And we were known as the company that could build features quickly, and right? And I always say, we never have any debt on our balance sheet. But there was hidden debt that I was creating. And that debt was in the form of user experience. Just a lot of our software that could be improved in terms of making it easier to consume and understand and use. And then the other debt we were uh, creating was technical debt. So when you scale the company that quickly and you haven't thought about that architecture, you have things like downtime. So the challenge I was running into was when we were 25 people in one office, sure, I could run around and keep all the balls in there. Now, I only slept three and a half, four hours a week, and do I regret that? Or a night, pardon me? I do. I mean, all I did was work seven days a week. Then as we scaled the company, we opened an office in Lisbon, Portugal. At our peak, we were almost at 100 employees, right? And in Lisbon, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it was it was primarily engineers, software engineers. Uh, it was product and engineering, product in, engineering. including design. Yeah. So when you say that the business grew fast, I think I think people can relate to that. And would you say at that time, because of the way technology works, which you know a lot more than I do, is it there? There's this basic foundation, but as it grows, sometimes you can't. Is it is it the foundation that was the issue, or is it your your building blocks on top of the foundation were just happening too quickly, or, or what was ultimately, I mean, it's what's the a good analogy? Uh, I suppose, well, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a general contractor, but I suppose <laughs> if you, you build a foundation that could only support, let's call it two floors, and yeah. you're trying to add a third floor and it right. crumbles at the foundation, Got that's it. essentially what happened, right? That, that foundation it. wasn't solid. And so the years, let's call it uh, four through 10, yep. I tried to transform from building a product to building a company. Mm. And frankly, I failed at it. Because you were so product focused in the beginning, then it, you shifted from like the product to more of building a business. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the years, people talk about this word called culture. And I would kind of scoff at it. I don't even know what that means. What do you mean culture? Like, let's just go build software. And then in 2018, uh, I had what I'll call sort of phase one of three of my cultural awakening. And that was, hey, I'm coming into work and it's not fun anymore. It's just not fun because, I mean, it's inevitable, right? At some point you're putting in 20 hour days and it's just not good enough, mm. right? And so yeah. there's only so you're long. You're still getting hit. The product isn't this and this right. is this. You're like, dude, what am I doing here? Yep, I actually something. remember you and I talking about this in like 2018. You're right. Uh, just kind of feeling that that sense of like uh, yeah we did have that conversation yeah I don't want to call it defeated that's not the right term but just the sense of like hey some something needs to evolve and right. grow here yeah so I paused and I remember in the '90s reading about Zappos and how they're oh, different yeah. right they're different yeah. culture so did a quick Google search and sure enough they offered a uh, a boot camp a culture boot camp a one day boot camp you could go to so I went to this boot camp 
in Who's Vegas. Who's the CEO of Zappos? Um, Tony Shea. To- yeah, no, he's he passed away, right? He did pass away yeah. recently. Yeah. But I've heard incredible things about. I read his book. The re- I read the book. Yes. So I read uh, the same. The building a whatever company. I can't remember the name of the book. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, I read great the book, book. And how he was just about the culture and the people. So, anyways, back to your point. So I went to this one day boot camp, and by lunch, I'd realized, okay, I see the error of my way. I have not focused. And when the was this? It's like 2018. 18. 18. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I move quickly. I get inspired pretty quickly, and uh, I came back, and I'm like, that's it. We need to focus on culture, and we shut down our business for an entire week. We sent an email to our customers, and uh, <laughs> thank. Thank God for our customers. They're, they're very supportive. We said, hey, look, we're going to work on ourselves this week. Customer support's going to be kind of non-existent or not very good. And they said, kudos to you. Go for it. Yeah. We hired six consultants from uh, Zappos to come help us define our culture through purpose and core values. And so at the end of the week, we defined our purpose and core values. And that was a good step one. That's not the ultimate step. Um, did it get us moving in the right direction? Absolutely. Um, did it fix everything? No. Um, because there was still another problem, and frankly, that problem was me. Um, you know, I always say, like, you have to have, you have to have your house in order personally so that you can show up to work the right way. And, uh, you know, in the old Conjun days, I would tell my clients, look, I will work whatever you want me to do. There's one thing you have to let me do, which is work out in the morning. Don't book a 7 a.m. meeting with me because I'll be at the gym. Mm. Let me work out, and then 9 a.m. till whenever, midnight, I'll work. Do whatever you want. And then when I had Conagent and Wattify, I just let go of that. And I stopped taking care of myself. I wasn't eating as well as I should have been, probably drinking too many IPAs <laughs> and not exercising. And I just didn't feel good. And so I wasn't showing up to work the right way. I just really wasn't. And I wasn't a good leader. And as a leader, one thing I've learned is you're not allowed to have a bad day, ever. Yeah, we were talking about that briefly in the car. Um, we, were, we went to a jiu-jitsu class, uh, and we were talking about on the way home. That there is a lot of, there is some pressure. I mean, it's also what we sign up for. Yeah. Right. We sign up for that. If if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a leader. You, that's part of it. But to your point, you can't have bad days nope. because the team feeds off that energy. Absolutely. And so is that what kind of was happening in yeah. in, in, in HQ? I changed this, um, let's say about late 2020 and through 2021. I work out every day. Eat a reasonable diet, and uh, it's made a huge difference. I'm I show up to work happy. Um, I even do little tricks like um, in my calendar. I color code things now. So if I'm going to have a one-on-one with somebody, it's orange. Orange tells me, I mean, you have to show up with the right mindset. And if I feel myself that day not being able to show up the right way, I'll postpone the meeting, which I never would have done in the past. I was like, oh, no, 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 you got to work, got to work, get it done. Now I go, no, 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 it's better to pause, wait. Let me postpone that meeting so I show up the right way. Right, and like a positive mindset. And you, yeah. you and I were talking about positive. And I do want to go back to the product in a second, but while we're on the note of positivity, I think it was interesting what you noted that you guys uh, hired a new CTO, which I actually think do does relate directly to your product. Absolutely. You hired a new CTO who's older, more mature, more experienced yep. than pretty much anybody on your team. Yeah. Okay. And you did that, what, six months ago? That's about right, yeah. Nick. And you, you said something to me that I found, I found pretty profound. You said that, when you're in meetings with him, if he, if you mention even a sliver of something positive, he'll just capture onto that. He doesn't want to hear about the 99% negative. So yep. if there's like a 1%, is, is that, is that really the way that, it is? That's really the way it is. And it, it has absolutely inspired me. 
He probably doesn't know that. Hopefully he's going to find out when he listens to this yeah, podcast. Yeah. But What's his name? Nick. Nick. Nick Rongione. All and, right, uh, Nick. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Nick, you know, in, you know, maybe something happened. If he can find a sliver of positivity, he's like, I don't want to hear negative. Let's focus on that positive. And I found that kind of like, I don't know. It I, I had to take a step back and really consume that. And um, I would say all of this year and probably the last month or two of 21 – I said, I'm going to take a page out of his book, and I have really embraced it. Now I'm at a point um, – I've had one failure this year, but otherwise nothing gets me upset, nothing. Like I just won't allow it to happen. I'm like whatever's meant to be is meant to be. So like like little things, like I'll go to a restaurant and order chicken, and I get pasta, and I tell Dude. myself, you know what? The pasta probably tastes better than the chicken. <laughs> you know, like we, my, my wife and I, we, we ordered DoorDash the other day, and they totally mess up our order. And it's so easy to get so frustrated because yeah. you're like, you're waiting for your DoorDash order. It's going to be here at 6 p.m. It's like the kids are ready. They're hungry. And then all of a sudden it shows up. And you only have one item. Everybody else is screwed. You're like, damn it. It's so easy to get negative. But I guess the positive would be at least someone got their well, meal. Well, <laughs> it, it's kind of like the, the jiu-jitsu class we just did. Yeah. Right? Um, how do you pronounce his name? Kayo. Kayo, right? So Kayo is saying, hey, it's not about muscling it. It's about technique, angles, finesse. And I, I kind of feel uh, a little bit of regret that it's taken me 48 years to figure that out. But I think the same true, true holds true with life. Um, you should finesse it. Let it flow. Like, don't expend all this energy on stuff that really doesn't matter. Dude, right? it's so interesting. Hey, someone listening thinks that you've been uh, smoking a little. I know. Uh, smoking I a little been. something. You're out here. I did California. have a little bourbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's wonderful, man. I've seen a big transformation personally. Like I'm speaking as a as a friend, as a partner. Like you know, from 2018 to where we're at today. You know, you were very vocal about like, hey, man, I'm not finding fulfillment here. And to be able to go get the Zappos team, like that's a legitimate business task. Yeah. And then to have this other additional self growth outside. You're now coming back to the team. You're a better leader. You're creating a better culture which I think in the last, you know, at least I, I've, I, I've met a lot of your team. They're great. They are great. But Thank let's, you. Let's, let's, let's dive into one piece. I think any gym owner listening who's a Wattify client, I think, I think is, is curious. What are you guys doing? So I love the culture because I, I think you're, you're spot on. And, and Matt and I at NC Fit, our entire team, I should say, if our culture is not on point and we're not moving in lockstep, moving together, then all this other stuff, we're going to, it's, it's, it's secondary to that because right. we need to be here as a unit and knowing where are we going, what are we trying to accomplish, and then we can get there. Right. But if we're all dispersed, we're not going to do it. So at Wattify, you, you've addressed the culture as number one. But now let's talk about the product. What are you guys doing? I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, you brought it back to U.S. instead of Portugal. Yep. Oh. Uh, yeah. COVID forced us to unfortunately downsize. Yep. Last year, we hired uh, 44 people. Uh, so we, you know, we've, we've done quite a bit of hiring. We know who we are. Culture is an important piece to us. There isn't a single person we hire that we regret. They're, everyone's been fantastic. So we have a solid team. Employee engagement is on an all-time high. Um, and then we've also implemented something called The Great Game of Business. So during COVID, I had an opportunity to read. I read a book called The Great Game of Business. Great read. And um, the premise is open book management. Mm -hmm. So we've always been pretty transparent with our our financials now we're even more fun uh, transparent with our financials the other piece of it is that our entire team goes through financial literacy training so all of our team members know what a balance sheet is and a profit loss statement they understand the metrics that make us money and the levers 
Uh, I can wow. give you an example. Yeah, I got to pause there for a Well, you met Carla today. Yeah, we met Carla. Okay, yeah, so I've I'll known get, Carla for a long you've time. You've known Carla, yeah. Yeah. account manager, right? She's amazing. And uh, we went through the great game of business, and I remember she, she slapped me the one day and said, hey, could you help me with something? Sure. So I do a Zoom meeting with her, and she's like, well, I'm trying to work out in this spreadsheet, and I'm doing the math for this customer because they want to upgrade from our one tier to the next, and they get better credit card rates. And I'll just make sure my, my calculations are right so that I can tell them you know, the right messaging. That never would have happened in the past. In the past, it would have been to meet, hey, there's this customer or someone else, like, hey, what's the math here, right? But now Carla fully understands the business model and, um, and could run through the math herself. So this book you read, uh, so you're basically an open book on your financials. Mm -hmm. And that's been a big difference. It has. Well, the other thing, the other piece of that is that every year we focus on a key metric and we rally and we, and it's not like the leadership team sits in a little conference room and says, well, this is what we're going to focus on. We get the entire company's input. Hey, what's our blind spot? So to your point, and what is our blind spot right now? Uptime. You can build the greatest product in the world. And I mean, the good news is, and we're a part of every class experience. The bad news is, right. if you're we're also down, a part of every class experience. Exactly. And when you're down, members can't cancel their reservation. Maybe they get charged a fee. Yep. I mean, we've gone through this myself, Absolutely. right? And so you said it this year, you've noticed an improvement in our uptime. Mm -hmm. Why? Our entire team is focused on uptime. So that's really interesting. So, like, I remember I, I, I rarely try and call you about like negative stuff because I feel like you can only pull those cards so many times, <laughs> right? But I called Brendan and I was like, dude, bro. We got to come on. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. Like, <laughs> I agree. It went from like me being like kind of frustrated to like, hey, man, we, we got to make a change. And so you you rallied the team. So is the 2022 goal or was it part of 2021? It's 2022. This is, year. Is all about uptime. It's all about uptime. And it's and about is, a lot of things, but the, pr the number one focus is uptime. So what does uptime mean? I mean, I'm sure it's like some well, let me give snazzy <laughs> software term, but. Yeah. Um, well, as an example, this year we finally pulled it off. You know, we would do releases or software, upg software upgrades uh, every two weeks. But that meant that you had to go down to do mm. that. And we just figured out now, and, and believe it, I don't want to get too technical, but a lot of work went into it. Now we can do our releases without bringing the system down. That's a huge, huge oh. win. So like, let's just say you see a, uh, an issue in the foundation, for example. Mm -hmm. You can make an adjustment to that without having to shut down the whole system. 99.9% .9 of the time, correct. Wow, that's really cool. And so do you feel like, I mean, from a, from a Wattify perspective, I just, I love having this conversation. So I just think there's just so much growth that's occurred in the organization. I think you're being very open about, Hey, this is what we're doing as a team. Um, out of those things, the culture, the, in this, what was the other book you said you, you referenced the, the great one game that, of business. Yeah. Great game of business. That was more to be transparent about the financials. It, and, and, and now talking about this uptime, I mean, as a whole leading up into 2022 and with the team, you know, wh where is the, what's the next step for Wattify? Because you guys, you know, you have your member management software, you have your workout tracking, you, you've came out with new apps a variety of times. What, what is next in store yeah. for this business? Cause I mean, you seem like a guy who works a lot, sleeps less and is <laughs> trying to make a great product. Um, we're now, we're actually now executing on my vision that I've had for five or six years. So I would tell you in our space, let's call it health and wellness, everyone, ourselves included, have built software applications with features. What we are now building, and I'll give you some examples, is a platform. So the difference, you're saying, oh, wait, what's the difference between software and a platform? Right. Software applications, and we're guilty of this, 
force gym owners to look at the feature and go, take it as it is, or come up with workarounds. And oftentimes those workarounds are unreasonable, right? If you have a platform, owners can configure this system to meet their workflows and their business needs, yeah. right? Now, what you might argue and say, well, hold on a second. Are your gym owners, are they, are they playing with technology all the time? No, not all of them, right? I mean, um, they're great at teaching athletes' health and wellness. They may right. not necessarily be experts in business process Nor management. Or are, are they maybe even interested in or doing interested that? Or interested in it, right? Yeah. And so, but what it does do, because we get those requests all the time in our customer service team and our account managers, which, I'm sorry, I'm going to brag a second. I think our customer service team is the best in the industry. And the challenge they have is they go, well, we don't offer that feature, so you can go to the ideas forum, but I don't know what else to tell you. And then oft sometimes, you know, someone has an idea that's perfect for their business, but what if they're like one out of 5,000 customers? Right, it just doesn't, it doesn't relate. It doesn't scale. Right. So given a platform, our team can help you and show you how to configure those, those business processes. So let me give you some examples of where, yeah, yeah, how we're getting that, that. That's pretty interesting. So let's talk about reporting. We stopped trying to guess what reports you need. And so now we came up with custom reporting. So we expose the data model. And now our gym owners can write their own reports, they can write their own dashboards, and they can have those reports delivered to them, their coaches, their staff, automatically. Do all of our gym owners, owners know how to do that? No, but our CS team does, our account management team does. And so we're now working with gym owners to say, hey, what are you trying to solve? Here, we can show you how to configure it. I don't have to get the engineers involved because they have their own roadmap, right? And so now between our customer service team and the gym owners, they can start solving their own problems. Mm -hmm. So that's example one. Example, let me see. Uh, that's a big, that's creating a platform versus software. Exactly. A platform is more relatable to you. And, you know, I think you brought up a good point about, we were talking earlier about martial arts, right? So, for example, if a martial arts component wants to add in a belt system, well, maybe a CrossFit gym isn't interested in that. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of customers now, uh, martial arts customers coming to us and using our platform. And one of the features they need was belt tracking. We didn't build belt tracking. What we built was uh, prog progressions. So we abstract the concept. And so now I'll give you an example. Hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. CrossFit Kulak. They use our progressions in a really interesting way. They have six different levels, everything from beginner to competitor to, I believe they call it Kulak Legends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they create all these uh, trackers. And so you have to be able to squat so much or do a muscle up and it gets you these three progressions. So you think about BJJ, right? Uh, you don't become a black belt in a year. Right, 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 right. right. And so CrossFit Kulak has now used these progressions to create these levels within a CrossFit gym. Yeah. I think there's actually something called a level method, actually, believe it or not. Oh, I don't mind familiar yeah, with it. it but, but yes, the, the level component, it's, it's an interesting theory. I don't know if we'd ever incorporated NC Fit, but it's an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that you have this available if you want to use it because you're creating a platform. And so from a Wattify perspective, you guys have your HQ in, in Philly, mm -hmm. the same one I've been to. Yep. And now you guys have Denver, right? We have an office in Denver. And so are you guys going to try and be decentralized like that, or are you guys going to want to try and bring people into so, one location? I'm going to show my age here. For years, everyone said we should become a remote organization, and I was always afraid to pull the trigger on it. Why? What happens if it doesn't work? Yeah. How, how do I say, well, we're no longer remote. Come Just back kidding. you got to yeah. move back exactly. from Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously COVID has had a, an impact on so many people and businesses. One positive thing that came out of COVID for us was the ability to try remote working. Right. Right. Turns out 
it works. It works for us. Now we had to change. We had to change our processes. We had to be way more clear and uh, communicate what we're trying to do. I think the reason I didn't like remote working is because I was lazy in my thinking. I like being able to go to the office and go, "Hey, I got an idea. I'm going to grab people in a room, throw them in a, you know, start whiteboarding it," which sounds fun. But also at the same time, kind of gets people distracted, yeah, right? Not, they lose focus. I'm, I'm, I, yes. I've been around you long enough that you're guilty yeah, of that. I'm very guilty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're very both guilty, guilty of, of it. Right. So it's forced us to be a little bit more, actually much more disciplined about our strategy and what we're doing, right? Now we've done it. We've been doing it for two years. We're now a remote organization. So uh, we find talent wherever it exists, Boston, California, Texas. And if you want to come to an office, we have an office in Denver. We have an office in Philadelphia. But you don't have to come. So We've, we've actually pulled it off. And, and selfishly, I love it too because I'm traveling quite a bit. And, you know, we have a work environment. We go hop on Zoom and we solve real business problems all on Zoom. So what do you think is going to happen? This is unrelated to Wattify. What do you think is going to happen to businesses? Do you think they're going to go with like a hybrid model? Do you think people want to get back in the office or do you think they, they like the idea of being at home? I think, they, I think it's the latter. Uh, really? Oh, I absolutely do. I think uh, I think businesses are going to be forced to go hybrid, or they're going to lose to so businesses that will. Now, okay. So we have the hybrid model. Now, let's just say you just you you, you hire someone new mm -hmm. at Wattify. How do they work up the ladder as well if they don't have that personal engagement? Like, do you think that people are going to stifle their growth because they're not going to be able to have this that we're having right now, where you and I are, you know? breaking bread, going to have dinner, go jujitsu and sitting at a table together. They're missing this personal connection. They're just over a screen. Do you think that's going to limit their growth? I don't know if it's going to limit their growth, but certainly, you know, our, our purpose to, is to empower fulfilled life. And a lot of that has to do with building relationships with customers, partners like you, but also colleagues. Mm. So I think the relationship building gets a bit stifled. It's just inevitable. Right. Um, so we do do things like, you know, we have a, a head of people. He's, fantastic his name is buck and buck is putting in a ton of structure and purposefully saying well how do we get people connected so we do things simple things like it's called a coffee chat and i think we have an app in slack called donut and it just says hey jason you should probably have a coffee chat with him eat here's some schedules and pick a time and you click on it and boom we have a coffee chat and so now um one of the things i do as a ceo is i have at least two to three coffee chats uh with the team and i love it i mean i i I think it's a privilege to be able to spend 30 minutes with, you know, someone that just graduated college. They're new in their career. They're fired up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to spend time with them and or even like little things. And then we do do things where we find excuses to get everyone together. It's a, but it's a large investment, right? To fly everybody in. Can't do it all the time. You know, like we used to throw, you've been to it. Yeah. Thank you for coming. The our party. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year was virtual. Last year was virtual because it had to be with COVID. This year it didn't have to be this past Christmas. Um, but it was. It was virtual because the economics of trying to get everyone in just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think Wattify, you know, I, I, look, we've used Wattify for a long time. I, I really feel compelled to tell you, like, I love the fact that, like, you could take ownership and recognizing that, hey, the product was the focus in the beginning. And then we switched over. We pivoted. I've gone through some personal growth, right? You, yeah. You've talked to me about and and now it, it seems like you guys are on a great trajectory coming into it's 2022. Be, I mean, we're going to have a great year. I, I hope you're as excited as I am I for am. you. Yeah, I am. Thank you so much. I am super excited. You know, I uh, I was so I, I, I got to have Matt, you know, uh, tell him like about all your previous work experiences. Being a janitor, I think, laid the framework. And um, 
So for people who are unfamiliar with Wattify, unfamiliar with Amit and your story, you know, if you can kind of wrap it up of what you're trying to accomplish for the end user, what are you trying to accomplish for your, your employees? You, 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 you said a mission statement a second ago. Is that the rallying cry for Wattify and for you for the next how many years? What are you trying to accomplish? From now until the day I die. It's to empower fulfillment. So um, that's for our, our colleagues. So we, you know, I want folks to, you know, ultimately I want to create the kind of company where if I graduated college, I'd kill to get a job there. Dude. Right, you know? Right. And um, where people can come in, fail in a safe environment, learn and grow, right? Um, everybody in our company loves learning. We have that very, very common theme. Um, I think we, f we definitely find, hi, Kitty. We find fulfillment in uh, seeing our customers run successful businesses, right? Like, let us do the technology piece and let us help you with the business process so that you can do what you do well, which is show people health and wellness. Love Look at it. that cat. Love yeah. this cat. My, my, my daughter has a cat. And it's right here on me. But the, other, the other thing we want to do is we want to build a relationship with our vendors. And you and I do that, right? Like, I really appreciate you inviting me into your home, being a part of Ava's Kitchen. You've reciprocated and come to – that is really special to us. And then finally, with our community. So we have a one-one-one philosophy. Um, one, at least 1% 1 of our customers are free. So if you're a nonprofit or you're teaching health and wellness to children, even if you're doing it for dollars – we want to participate in that, and it's free to you. So about 2% of our customers, we don't charge. Um, we also give away at least 1% of our profits, f uh, infuse it back into the community, oh. and then 1% of our time. So one, uh, one, one. I love that. Steal. I stole it. What's the, third, what's the third one? The third Sorry. one is 1% of our time. So we shut down the company once a quarter, get involved in our community, and give back. You won't read a lot of press about it because um, I, I probably battle with marketing a little bit on this, but... You know, I feel like it's uh, it's like trying to do the right thing when no one's looking. Right. You know? Right. So one, 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 one percent of profits. One percent of your product, of product or service. Yep. And then one percent of your time. Dude, I love that. And I mean, the proof that's is in the pudding. That's plagiarized from Salesforce. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You're out here right now, with your team, for a pediatric cancer event, which is there's it's just all the prof all the revenue goes to to charity. So, dude, I'm super fired up for 2022 for Wattify. I know your team's here. Let's go have a great event, man. And uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to sit down, talk about Wattify, talk about your background. And uh, for anyone ha who hasn't checked out Wattify, who's interested? Maybe they're a gym owner, maybe they're an athlete, whoever. What's the best place to go? Is it just Wattify.com? Wattify.com. Can, can I steal a little bit of your thunder there? Dude, you can steal any thunder you want. <laughs> uh, for our listeners, I'd like to give one piece of advice if I could. Let's do it. So if you're a gym owner out there, and I don't care if you're using Wattify, Zen Planner, Push Press, if you're not, a technologist, call your vendor. Mm. They will help you. You Technology can help you run a more efficient, more profitable business to let you get back to doing what you love, which is teaching people health and wellness. So, again, I don't care if it's Wattify or someone else. Call your call your partner, and they will help you. Dude, love it, man. Well, visit Wattify.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Amit for taking the time. Thank and, you, Jason. Uh, let's go have a great night. All right. Cheers. Cheers.